Psalm 23, and we'll spend uh, just the next few minutes here and together. And my heart's desire is that we would leave encouraged today as we think about the shepherd that is guiding us. Psalm 23, I'm going to read it again, and then we'll have a word of prayer. It says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, he leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, we pray this morning that you would bless your word, that you would speak to hearts where they need to be spoken to, that you would challenge us, that you would change us, that as we leave this place today, we would look more like your son, the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. If there's any here today, God, who have never trusted Christ as their savior, we, would, we pray that they would understand this morning how deeply they are loved, that they would fall humbly at the feet of Christ, that they would repent of their sins and turn to him by faith. God, do an eternal work in us today as only you can do. It's in Christ's name we ask and pray these things. Amen. Why do you follow Jesus? Have you ever thought about that question before? As we were flying back on Friday, I began to think about the week that we had just spent in a foreign country. As you heard, we saw many incredible things, including Sites that had more history than our country has um, since it's been established. But of all the things that I saw in our time in Wales, the thing that captivated me most was the love that our missionaries, Dave and Mary Campbell, had for the people of Wales. Mary shared on a car ride about how they got there. They felt God working in their hearts many years ago in the area of missions, and so their pastor encouraged them to take some missions trips. After they had taken some missions trips, they began to do some survey trips and try to figure out specifically where God would have them to go, and one of the trips they took was to Zambia. They felt a burden in their heart for the people of Zambia, and so they figured this must be where God is calling them to be. So they purchased their tickets, and when they purchased their tickets, they said, hey, we're never going to be in the UK again, so let's circle back around that way and spend some time doing some sightseeing in that part of the world. As they ended their trip in Zambia, they made their way to the UK. They landed and drove to Wales. And as they drove through Wales, their hearts were struck and captivated by all the closed churches that they saw. And this place that once was a place of great gospel influence, if you read of the revivals of the past, that's where we get our Christian heritage from to some degree. And now these churches were being closed down, and God spoke to their hearts and said, this is where I want you to serve. And Dave mentioned to us one day as we were preparing to pass out Bibles that their desire is to stay there until their bodies break down and they can go no further. What a heart for God. What a heart for, for the people of Wales. And as we saw their heart, as we saw their love for the Lord, as we saw their desire to follow the Lord in the place that God has called them to, it struck me and caused me to ask the question, how am I following the good shepherd? 
Psalm 23, as we know, was written by David, a man who knew something about shepherding as he shepherded his father's sheep at a young age, but he was also the shepherd of Israel. He shepherded God's people, and this psalm was likely written towards the end of David's life as he thought about the experiences that he got to have in watching both his father's sheep, but also in watching over the people of God as a nation. His words of wisdom have been a source of encouragement for several thousand years, and his words of wisdom come from real experience as he came to know his shepherd as he walked the broken path of this world. Psalm 23 is simple and yet profound. Psalm 23 meets us where we're at. It's easy to understand, and this is why it is so widely loved. Psalm 23 has been referred to as the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. And even many who have no religious ties can still quote portions of this psalm. So this morning, my heart's desire is simply to encourage us to follow the shepherd, for he's a good shepherd, and he loves his sheep, and he gave himself for them. And if he did this for us, should not we do this for him? Should not we give our lives for his cause and his kingdom? I'm not a shepherd, and so it was a little intimidating as we were there, and I spoke on Psalm 23 in a country that has a ratio of sheep to people of three to one. Though I'm not a shepherd and I don't know much about sheep, over my years I've come to know a lot about the good shepherd. I pray this morning that you would be encouraged as we think through this together. The big idea is simply this, are we truly following the great shepherd? Are we truly following the great shepherd? Psalm 23, 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. These words from David were not written in pretense to impress or in piousness to deceive, but they were written with true genuineness as David thought about Jehovah, the God of Israel. David spoke with confidence, not in himself, but in the one that he was speaking of. David spoke with conviction, knowing in his fully persuaded heart that this shepherd he was writing about wasn't just any shepherd, but he was the shepherd of all shepherds. As David spoke, he was assured that because the Lord was his shepherd, everything was going to be okay. One little boy, as he was tasked with quoting Psalm 23 in his church, as he got up on stage full, full of fear and nervousness, began to quote the psalm, and he got a little flustered, and he simply said this, The Lord is my shepherd, and I ain't going to worry about it. <laughs> and isn't that the truth? That because the Lord is our shepherd, we don't have to worry about it. So many times in life we think that we cause the outcome. But friend, let us remember that the shepherd is always in control. So many times in life we think we know what's best for us, but let us remember the shepherd is watching us with a tender heart of compassion for us, not for our evil or for our harm, but for our good. And he leads us, as we're going to see, in paths of righteousness. And if he is leading us in paths of righteousness, we should desire to follow. And so as David begins this psalm, he says, unequivocally, that the Lord was his shepherd. And because the Lord was a shepherd, he knew that everything was going to be okay. 
Does this mean that David wasn't going to go through hardships and trials? Well, if you read through the psalm, you'll understand that that's not true at all. He understood that hardships and trials were a very real part of life, but he also understood that those hardships and trials could not change the plan of the shepherd, though they might hinder the focus of the sheep. So David said, the Lord is my shepherd. In a personal way, David had come to understand the value of following the good shepherd. In a personal way, David understood the value of submitting his life under the authority of the good shepherd. And we can say all day long that the Lord is our shepherd, but friends, if we're not submitting ourselves to his authority, what good does it make to make that statement? So David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He had great confidence. And I would ask us today, do we have confidence in the shepherd? Are we relying on the shepherd? Are we trusting the shepherd as David did in Psalm 23, 1? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He goes on to say in verse number 2, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. As the good shepherd who cares for and desires good for his sheep, we can always trust that his intentions are pure, that his desire is genuine, and that it is in our best interest to follow where he leads. You see, the truth is the sheep don't need to know where the shepherd is leading them. They simply need to understand that the shepherd loves them and cares for them. And then when they understand this, they will follow where he bids them to go. And friend, you may not understand where God is leading you, but if you have confidence that he loves you and that his desires for you are good, then you will follow wherever he leads you because you understand that his plan is the best plan. According to Philip Keller, a a lifelong shepherd who wrote the book, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23, in order to rest, it said that sheep need four things. They need to be free of fear, They need to be free of friction amongst the flock. They need to be free of agitation by way of flies or parasites. And they need to be free of hunger. So as David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He then goes on to say that he leads me to lie down in green pastures. And he leads me beside the still waters. And as David was thinking over the tender care of the faithful shepherd, he's realizing that he doesn't have to worry about life. He doesn't have to worry about the things that he's facing because God has them under control. And when his trust was in God, he was free to follow God uninhibited. And he was free to recognize the care of God in every situation in his life. Do you know when we start to doubt God? It's when we start to take things into our own hands. We start to doubt God when we think in our heart of hearts that God doesn't care for us as much as the Bible says he does. But friend, can I tell you today that he does care for us. He cares for us more than the Bible can express. He watches over us in ways that we don't understand and that we cannot fathom. And one day when we get to the other side of this life and we reach eternity, we will be able to look back and see all of the ways that the shepherd had cared for us. And you may say, well, I don't like the place that God is leading me now. Friend, if you follow God to the place he's leading you now, you'll find that in his way and in his timing, it's a perfect place. And it's a place where he will feed you and care for you and tend to you 
in ways that you don't even know you currently need. In verse 3, he says, He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. As David continues, he brags on the shepherd as the shepherd does what shepherds naturally do. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And we know in a spiritual sense that it is initially God who restores our soul. But can we also agree today that in a day after day after day experience, he is still the one who restores our soul. Paul says in the New Testament, though the outward man perishes, the inward man is renewed day after day. And what is it that Paul is saying? And what is it that David is saying as they think about the tender care of God in their lives? It's this, that God knows what they need and God gives them what they need, not before and not after, but when they need it most. He restores our soul. He leads us in paths of righteousness. He takes us down the path that he wants us to go and he cares for our soul along the way. God doesn't say if you get from point A to point B, then I'll give you what you need, but he gives us what we need so that we can make it from point A to point B. Do you believe that today? Do you trust the shepherd? Certainly you may feel like you're in a spot where you're boxed in where life is spiraling out of control. And in those moments, when we look to him, he restores our soul. In those moments, when we look to him, we'll see that he's leading us not in paths of destruction and not in paths of chaos, not in paths of calamity, but in paths of righteousness. And do you know why he does this? Well, he tells us. For his name's sake. What does that mean? The reputation of the shepherd was always tied to the sheep that he cared for. If you were a shepherd and you had sheep that were sickly and, and ill and injured, and you never did anything to help them, then your reputation as a shepherd would be simply this, that you're a poor shepherd. But as he leads us in paths of righteousness, he does so for his name's sake. And so every good thing that he does in our lives, every way that he nurtures us, every time that he mends us when we're broken or picks us up when we're fallen, yes, he does do this for our good, but he also does it for his name's sake. Why? So that the world will know that he is the good shepherd. And as Jesus is the fulfillment of the shepherd in Psalm 23, what does he tell us? I am the good shepherd. And what did Jesus do? He laid down his life for his sheep. So as we think about the shepherd and his kindness towards us and his love for us, we understand that he is a good shepherd who restores our soul and he leads us in paths of righteousness. And paths of righteousness does not mean paths of easiness. But it means in the times of difficulty and trial, he still leads us in a righteous way so that we can bring glory to his name. So I would ask us this morning as he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, are we following him for his name's sake? Are we living our lives in a way that when people look at us, they don't see us, but they see the one who's leading us? You see, the sheep would not be praised for the way that they look, the shepherd would be. 
And when we follow the shepherd in paths of righteousness, people may admire our faith, but who does the glory ultimately belong to? The only one who deserves it. In verse 4, he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. As David continued pouring his heart out in this intimate psalm, he says that even in the worst of times, he was comforted by the presence of the shepherd. And in my mind, as I'm thinking about this, I think back to David's teenage years or, or late childhood when he was watching his father's sheep and a lion came to attack the sheep and a bear came to attack the sheep. And what did David do? He slew the lion and the bear. Why? Because he cared for the sheep. And when David was around, the sheep were able to be at ease. Why? Because they understood that he loved them. Friend, when we recognize the felt presence or the, the visible presence or, or, or the, the, the real presence of God in our lives, regardless of what we face, we can be at rest. And I've often thought about this verse as the valley of the shadow of death, simply meaning the difficult things that we go through in life. But really, I think the valley of the shadow of death is simply a way of saying that as you walk through life, because isn't most of life hard? Don't we live in, in the valley of the shadow of death, meaning that we're surrounded by brokenness because of sin? We live in a place where death is always on our mind, but for the believer, friend, it's only a shadow of death. I love what Spurgeon said about this, the shadow of a dog can't bite me, and the shadow of a sword can't cut me, and the shadow of death cannot consume me. And if that was true for the psalmist, friend, it is true for us as well. Though we live in the valley of the shadow of death, we do not have to fear, for He is with us. His rod and the staff, they comfort us. The rod would have been used to defend the sheep in times of danger. The staff would have been used to pull the sheep back from danger when they had wandered away. There's arguments over whether or not this is two tools or one, and frankly, it doesn't really matter. Because what is David saying? That the good shepherd cares for me in times when danger has crept into my life. And the good shepherd cares for me in times when I have crept into dangerous ways. Because of that, he says, he will not fear. He was comforted by the shepherd as he walked through a broken world. And I would ask us today, are you finding yourself in despair Will you look to the shepherd to comfort you? Are you finding yourself in a situation that is filled with brokenness? Will you look to the shepherd to give you hope? He goes on to say in verse 5, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. And as he begins to wrap up this psalm, he focused again on the provisions of of the shepherd for the sheep. Food was a sign of, of rest that they would eat and not fret. Oil was a sign of favor or blessing. Feasting was a sign of great triumph. And anointing was a sign of goodness. And in the presence of the enemies, the psalmist was confident that his shepherd was still good and he was still providing for every one of his needs. 
If you think to a shepherd walking, watching sheep in a field, it would be foolish if there was wolves surrounding the flock to say, okay, you go down there and get a drink of water and you stay here and eat some fresh food and I'm going to pour this healing oil upon you. It would be foolish for the shepherd to do that. Why? Because he would be leaving some of the sheep unattended. But the good shepherd is so great. He's so capable that even when we're in the presence of our enemies, he allows us to feast because the triumph has been secured. And he allows us to experience the blessings even in the presence of brokenness. Prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. David is saying, I have everything I need in the presence of the shepherd. Every need is supplied for. Every desire is fulfilled, not in himself, but in the shepherd, the great shepherd, the good shepherd who provided for his life every step of the way. And I would ask us today, when is the last time that you stopped And feasted in the abundance of the goodness of the shepherd, even in the middle of the trial. When is the last time you said that, God, though I don't understand what's going on here, I choose to feast on your goodness today? When is the last time we stopped in, in moments of despair and doubt and said, God, though I don't understand what you're doing, I do understand this, that you are good at all times and in all ways. And you should be surprised because this is six verses and not that much time and we've made it to the end. And David says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we wrap up. Look closely at what he says. Surely. Say that with me. Surely. Say it again. Surely. How do you think David said that word? Was it with a question in his heart? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me? No. He said it with a deep conviction. Surely. Because he is the good shepherd. Because he's provided for my needs. Because he leads me in paths of righteousness because he brings me beside the still waters and takes me to the green pastures, because he protects me and cares for me in times when I find trouble on the outside, but also when I find trouble on the inside, because he's prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Surely, because of what I've seen God do in the past, I can understand and live with confidence that goodness and mercy will follow me for the rest of my life. That it's not just a time in history when I can look back and say, God was good, but I can say from this vantage point, looking behind me and looking ahead of me, though I don't know what's coming, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because he's a good shepherd. Because he wasn't following his own ambitions and his own will, because he wasn't giving himself to every whim of passions that came into his life, but because he had placed himself under the authority of the good shepherd, he could say with confidence, surely goodness and mercy will follow me 
all the days of my life. Do you know there are many who when they reach the end of this life and beyond, they don't leave a trail of goodness and mercy behind them. Many at the end of their lives will leave a path of destruction and chaos and misery for others to clean up. But do you know as believers, we can leave a path of goodness and mercy. Not for others to say, man, look at how good that person was. But so that others can say, look at how good their God was. Look at how he provided for them every step of the way. He is a good and merciful God. And David was saying with confidence that all the days of his life, goodness and mercy will follow him. But it wasn't just in this life because David ends the psalm with this statement, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, forever. Though trials may afflict me in this life and Pain may be real to the point of wanting to die as we can read through the Psalms. Certainly those were emotions that David had. But why did he press on? Why did he take the next step? Why did he move forward when everyone else was around him saying, Where is your God? Well, he took the next step forward because he understood that one day he would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And friend, when we live with eternity on our mind, the things of this life will grow strangely dim. When we live with eternity on our mind, it doesn't matter what others do or what others say or what afflictions fall into our lives because we know in the end that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I would ask us just two simple things this morning. First off, do you know the shepherd? You say, I I think I can just figure life out on my own. You may be able to figure life out on your own, but my question would be, can you figure eternity out on your own? The truth is, you can't. You may be able to live a good life now that's filled with incredible experiences. But if you live apart from the shepherd and you die apart from the shepherd, can I tell you this? You will not spend your eternity in the house of the Lord forever. As I said in John 10, Jesus identifies himself as the good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. He died on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sinfulness. And though you may not have done anything greatly evil in the sight of men, the reality is we've all done something evil in the sight of God. I wonder today, will you repent of your sins and turn to the Good Shepherd to give you true and abundant life? The second question is this, if you are here today and you have trusted the good shepherd as your savior, are you following him? I mean, are you really following him? Are you following him to the point where if others look at you, they don't see you, but they see him? Are you following him to the point where if he took you 
to the deepest waters and you felt abandoned, you would still say, I'm still going to trust him. Are you following him in such a way that if he stripped every good thing from your life, you would have the confidence of Job to press on and say, though he slays me, yet I'm going to trust him. You see, because saying you trust the shepherd or saying you follow the shepherd and actually following the shepherd can be two very different things. I pray this morning that as we've looked at Psalm 23, that our desire to follow the shepherd would be stronger than ever before. And if you've never trusted the shepherd as we sing this closing song, I would encourage you to meet me in the back and together we can go through the word of God and show you how you can be saved by the shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. God, we ask that you would do great work in our hearts today. May our confidence in you, the good shepherd, only grow because of what we've seen this morning. Work in hearts as only you can. We thank you again for all you do. In Jesus' name I pray.